I won't be lonely anymore. I'll have friends. I'll have relationship. I'll, there's be, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? That means, as a church, we have work to do to change that paradigm. We have work to do to change what that looks like. Amen? Amen. We have to change the perception out there in the world of what it means to be in the church, what it means to be a part of the church. Because people are lonely. But it starts with a heart of love. Turn to the person next to you say, won't you be my neighbor? Because actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. The truth of the matter is, is that if we are to change this perception that people out there have of the church, it must begin with love. This is what motivated the Samaritan to stop and help this man who was beaten on the side of the road. He didn't do it because he wanted to look good. He didn't do it because there was, you know, he, there was some intrinsic benefit for him to do it. He did it, the Bible says, because he was moved with compassion. He saw someone in need and he wanted to be a neighbor. He wanted to help. That is what the church is called to do as well. Real Christians love sinners and desire relationships with people outside of the church. We cannot just form relationships with people in our church. We cannot just build friendships with people who we go to church with every time. We've got to find people out there and say, hey, I want to be your neighbor. I want to be your friend. Tell me about your life. I'll tell you about mine. Let's share something together and build a relationship together. That's what it means to show love. People don't have people to listen to them. That's the problem. And I imagine this is how the guy felt as he lay on that road between Jericho and Jerusalem. He saw the priest come by and no doubt he said, can you help me? Will you help me? I'm hurt. I'm broken. I need some help. And the priest just kind of hurried on past. And maybe he didn't want to touch the body because he felt like it might make me unclean or it might, you know, hurt me. I might, I might get robbed if I stopped to help. And so he rushed by but the world is crying. Is there anyone who will listen? Is there anyone who will hear my story? Is there anyone who will speak to my heart and let me know they care about me and they love me and they want to get to know me for who I am? Amen. Real Christians live for the kingdom of God, not kingdoms of men. We ought never to get so high and mighty we feel like we're better than people out there. That we've got everything figured out because you know what? We don't have everything figured out. We are just in need of Je just as much in need of Jesus today as what we were when we first came to the Lord. We're not any better. We just know Jesus, amen, and He makes a difference in our lives. But that means we ought not to have an attitude where we talk to people out there and feel like we're better than them because we're not. We understand that if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, we too could be out there. We too could be lost. We could be feeling the same way. We're in community, but that doesn't mean we isolate and we stop other people from being apart. Won't you be my neighbor? Amen. Actions speak louder than words. Amen. 
these misperceptions and contradictions that people hold about the church is because this attitude has been prevalent. I'm not saying it's just our church. I think we do a great job of making people feel welcome. But as a general rule, people feel like the church, they're just full of people who are so perfect and so holy and, and they've just got everything right in their life. And, and how could I be a part of that? They just Everything seems to be going well for them. That's not true. We are just in much as need of Jesus as what they are. Perhaps even more so. You know, the best way to overcome this the best way to show this world what it really means to be a Christian is to be the one that stops, to be the one that helps, to be the one that takes time when there's someone broken, someone hurting, someone not sure what to do, to be the person that says, I'm going to put my arm around you, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm here just to listen, just talk to me, just tell me what's going on, tell me how I can help. I'm here because I want to build a relationship with you. Amen? Because actions speak louder than words. This is what it means to be a neighbor. This is what it means to be a neighbor. During the first century, Christians faced all sorts of cultural prejudices. Outsiders were trying to figure out what this new movement was about. And they knew so little about Christians. Outsiders passed judgment. This is why there was so much persecution. They labeled Christians as subversive and they questioned the legitimacy of Christians, especially in Gentiles. The Gentile people thought, what are these crazy Jewish people doing? They're causing damage to the state and that's why there was persecution. Amen. But the Gospel of Luke, which we read the story of the Good Samaritan, was written to combat that, was written to say, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we're doing, and this is what we're about, and this is what Jesus wants us to be like, amen. And he provided clarity on how we can address those prejudices that we face today. Christ modeled the compassion of God for outsiders. You see, it was the Samaritan, the person who was outside of the law, outside of the church, if you like. He was the one who showed how to use, how to fulfill the Torah, how to fulfill the law by modeling kindness and love for his neighbor. And that's what we do. We are not going to fulfill the law of Christ by being wonderful, amazing Christians and being able to sing all the right songs and being able to clap our hands at the right time. And we're not going to prove what amazing Christians we are by being able to say amen at the right time. We are going to prove what amazing Christians we are when we can go to someone who knows nothing about God and wrap our arms around them and say, hey, I want to be your friend. I want to be your neighbor. I'm here to help you. What can I do for you? You need me to babysit your kids? I can look after your kids. For you need a meal? I'll cook a meal for you. What can I do to help you? How can I serve you? How can I be your neighbor? That's how we demonstrate Christ's love. And that's what the Samaritan did. He demonstrated the love of Christ by the way he behaved towards the man beaten on the side of the road. The problem is, is if that we're not careful, we can fall into the same justifications for treating others harshly. We can be like the priest. We can be like the Levite. And we can come up with a list of reasons why we shouldn't help, why we can't help, why perhaps it wouldn't be best to help, Wow, that person's been helped before, so we shouldn't help them again. 
It's very easy to fall into that trap if we are not careful because we can become very good at becoming professional Christians. Hello? We can be very good at being professional Christians, but we are called to find out who our neighbor is. Amen. We can justify asserting our views while ignoring the neighbor who needs love right in front of us. And I mean, isn't that the truth? And this is what we've been talking about for the last two weeks. It's easy for us to love people who are like us. It's easy for us to build a relationship with someone like us. It's, we, we have no problems building a relationship with someone from our cultural group or someone from our family or someone from the same island or the same background as us or the same culture as us. But, but can we reach beyond that? Because that's what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan had every reason to ignore that man on the side of the road. As a matter of fact, that's probably what the Jewish man would have done if the Samaritan was the one beaten on the side of the road. The Samaritan had every reason, and we might have every reason to walk past that person who's hurting. Every reason not to stop. I'm too busy. I'm going to be late. I've got the kids at home. I've got a meal on the stove. I've got this. I've got that. The devil will give you a list of excuses if you will let him. But we are called to model the love of Christ to everybody. Think about it. This is what Jesus did. The Bible says at one stage in the Gospels, Jesus withdrew his disciples to a desert place. Why? Because he wanted to rest. He wanted to recharge. And yet the people heard that Jesus was there. And they all came. And Jesus said, hold up. I am too busy. Rack off. Come back in three days' time after my long weekend. I need a holiday. No, the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion because of the people. He saw them like they were sheep with no shepherd. They didn't have a head. They didn't have a leader. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just there saying, Jesus, we need help. There are people out there in the world right now today who need help. And they are like sheep without a shepherd. And they don't know what to do. And they don't even necessarily know how to articulate what's going on in their life or what direction they need to to take but they're looking for someone a Christian to recognize that and say hey I want to be your neighbor let me help you let me introduce you to Jesus let me just be your friend let's build a relationship together won't you be my neighbor these actions speak louder than words see we can say we're Christian all day of the week we can tell oh yeah I'm a Christian yeah yeah I go to church but do our actions show that does the way we conduct ourselves around people show that? Do we show that we care? Do we show that we love people? Do we show that there's something in our heart that's beating with the heart of God and saying, hey, I want to minister to you. I want to serve you. I want to be your neighbor. I want to be your friend. You know, it's lawyers that look for loopholes. But neighbors look for excuses to serve. Lawyers are the ones that look for loopholes. They look for ways to get out of things. And that's what the priest probably did. That's what the Levite probably did. Well, I'm busy. I'm running out of time. I've got things to do. They need me at the synagogue. I've got a sacrifice to make. I don't have time today. I'll help the next person I find beat up on the side of the road. But neighbors look for ways to serve. They look for ways to display the radical love of Christ to everyone they can, to people who are in need. You know, the, the actions of the priests, 
and the action of the Levite and the parable of the Good Samaritan underscore what was most important to them at the time. Even though they were representatives of God, they missed the heart of the law, which was love. They missed why the law was even given in the first place, which was to draw God's people closer to Him so He could have a relationship with Him. It was so focused on fulfilling rules and obligations and check boxes and tick boxes and have I done this and done this and done this that they completely missed the reason why God gave the law. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same kind of trap. We were saved. We are in church. We have a relationship with God. And that is an amazing, wonderful thing that we ought never not to take for granted. But we've got to stop and ask ourselves, why did God save me? Why did God put me in a church? Because I can tell you, God did not just put you in a church just because He loves you. That's part of it. But God put you in the church because He knows there are people you are connected with that He loves just as much as you. And through you being neighborly, through you building a relationship, through you reaching out, you can make a difference in that person's life. There was an old song that was sung many years ago called, You're the Only Jesus Some Will Ever See. Jesus Christ is not going to walk on this earth ever again. He's not going to walk down the esplanade healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and and opening blinded eyes. It's just not going to happen. But what is going to happen is spirit-filled believers who understand that God did not save us just to sit us on a pew and be comfortable. God saved us because there's people who need to experience the love of God in their life manifest through us, delivered through us. Someone say amen. Amen. You know, the priest might have thought that the man was dead and he was unwilling to risk making himself unclean. Regardless of his reasoning, he still passed by a man in need. The Levites, the Levites were known for their wisdom, for their understanding. He seemed to reason his way out of helping his neighbor. In the end, they used the law to justify not loving their neighbor. The good Samaritan, however, he illustrated the heart of God. We can know what God says, but can we know God's heart? And he demonstrated love in action. The Samaritan did not allow the inconvenience of serving his neighbor to stop him from serving his neighbor. And you know, it's interesting when you look at the question that we read at the beginning. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 29. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then if you read in verse 37 of Luke chapter 10, he said unto him, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The question that the lawyer asked was Jesus, who is my neighbor? What the lawyer is asking is, who's going to be my neighbor? Who's going to look after me? Who's my neighbor? The question was turned by Jesus when this lawyer tested him, 
Jesus turned the question around and said, go and do likewise. He said, it doesn't matter who's going to be neighborly to you. My challenge to you is you go be a neighbor to everyone you can be. Go be like the good Samaritan. You're not the, he, the, he, was, he wasn't saying the lawyer was the one beaten on the side of the road. He was saying the lawyer needs to be like the Samaritan. The lawyer needs to be the one who goes out and meets people and builds a relationship with people and tries to break through and help people and, 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 and just be a neighbor. That's what we are called to do when we test Jesus, get ready to be tested. Jesus used the Samaritan as the hero of the story to reverse the question of the lawyer. The lawyer's question was, who deserves my love? Jesus turned it to say, you need to find someone to give your love to. It's not a matter of who deserves your love. It's a matter of you need to show love to everyone you can. The truth of the matter is, is that the heart of God loves people who are in need. When we as Christians love others as Jesus Christ loved us. And, and that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? Could it be that the reason we struggle to show the love of God to other people is because we lose sight of how much God loves us? Oh, we know it intellectually. We know God loves us. We know He cares for us. But do we ever truly understand how much he loves us and if we could connect with that then how much easier would it be to love other people like Jesus loved us and when we do that we will begin to counteract these opinions that people have out there that our oh, Christians they're just stuck up they're hypocritical they they don't know what they're on about they're just so holy and so you know better than us and you know they're holier than thou and their attitude is so wrong it's only when we show the love of God that we will begin to counteract that. So we have to let our actions speak louder than our words. You know, in Bible college, and we'll be finishing up in a few minutes, in our Bible college class right now, we are doing an activity. The subject we're doing is evangelism. And we are doing an activity where they've drawn a grid. And they put their house in the middle. And they're trying to work out, who are my neighbors? Who do, I mean, my literal neighbors. Who do I live next door to? Who lives over the road from me? Who lives behind my back fence? Do I know their names? Do I know their stories? Do I know where they come from? Have I got to know them? Not, for the, not because there's anything in it for me, but just because I want to be a neighbor. I want to serve them. I want to show them the love of God. Because people will experience the love of God out there in the world through our actions before they ever come to church. Before they ever come and sit in a chair and listen to the preaching of God's word. Amen. So an excellent place for us to start as a church would be the same way. Do you know who your neighbor is? Do you know the name of the person who lives next door to you? Do you name the name of the person who lives over the road? What's their story? What's happened in their life? What's going on in their life at the moment? Can you minister to them? Can you help them? Can you support them? Do you know your neighbor? Because actions speak louder than words. As we all stand this morning. There was a man by the name of Sayah. He was a minister of education in Afghanistan. And when he retired, he got to move to America. His children were there. And uh, he moved to Texas. And uh, I don't know if you know any Texans. I know a few Texans in my life. They're, they're quite loud and uh, wonderful people. But Sayah was from Afghanistan. And everything in, in Texas was completely different. 
He spoke a foreign language. He dressed differently. Sayyar worshipped differently as well because Sayyar was a Muslim. He went around his neighborhood trying to meet people, but none of his neighbors were particularly neighborly because Sayyar was different from everybody else. But one day, Sayyar met a man by the name of Noble. He was a friendly, retired West Texan who happened to go to a Pentecostal church and happened to live in Sayyar's neighborhood. And Noble, well, he liked gardening. He liked gardening. And Sayyar liked gardening as well. So they would meet together and they would have long conversations together. And it helped Sayyar develop his English. And they would talk about gardening and they would talk about plants. And they would talk about things that are going on in their life. And one day, Noble actually fell sick and was hospitalized, put in the hospital. And Sayyar went to visit him. This Muslim guy went to visit his friend, the Pentecostal in church. Noble invited him to church. Noble came simply because, sorry, Sayyar came simply because Noble had been a, a wonderful friend for him. And he commented that everyone at the church was friendly to him. What was it, though, that brought Sayyar to church? It wasn't the fact that he felt any particular need to change his worship style. As far as he was concerned, he was a Muslim. This was the right way to live for God. But it was the fact that Noble went out of his way to be a neighbor, to show him what it means to love, to care, to find a common interest. That's what we're called to do, church. Find a common interest with someone. Build a relationship with them. Get to know them. Be a neighbor. That's what God has called us to do. That is what models Christ. Why don't we just close our eyes right now. Let's just, as we wrap up this time, let's just talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we're grateful for what you've done for our life, Lord God. Lord, your word says you loved us while we were sinful still, Lord. You cared for us, Lord. You brought us in, Lord Jesus, like prodigal children, Lord God. We came home. You put us into covenant relationship with you, Lord, and we're, we're forever grateful for that, Lord God. But Lord, help us not to ever just sit back and, and think that's it, we're done, Lord God. But Lord, I pray, God, you would begin to work in our hearts, Lord, that we would find someone that we could minister to, that we could find someone to be a neighbor to, find someone to serve, Lord God, Lord, to, to encourage them, to build them up, Lord, to show what it truly means to be a Christian, Lord God. Lord, help us to show love to people who don't know you. Help us to show love to people who do know you. Help us to show love to people who are hurting and people who look like they've got everything figured out in their life, Lord God. Lord, lead us, Lord. Help us to find people who need you, Lord, who, are, who want, Lord, who are looking for friendship, looking for a neighbor, Lord God. Lord, in this world that we live in, this city we live in, Lord, we know there are so many people who are hungry and thirsty and hurting, Lord God. They don't know which way to turn, Lord God. Lord, let us be a neighbor to these people, Lord God. Help us to show your love, Lord, the same love that you loved us with, Lord God. Help us uh, to pass that to other people, Lord God, Lord. Your word says that that's how people will know that we are your disciples, Lord, if we have love 
but one for another, Lord. But that's not just meant to be confined to our four walls of our church, Lord God. But, Lord, lead us to people in our workplaces. Lead us to people, Lord, in the places that we shop, Lord God. Lead us to family members, who, Lord, who have walked out, Lord, because they've been hurt or offended, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of people, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be like you, Lord, not judgmental, Lord God, but, Lord, willing to just hear, to listen, to love, and to care, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we can't do this without your help, Lord. We're encouraged by your word, Lord. It says we're going to have power after we've received the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, not so we can sit back and relax, Lord, but so that we can be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Lord God, let your spirit, Lord, work in our heart, Jesus. Lord, so we can reach our world, Lord, so we can make a difference. Lord, thank you for our life class today. Thank you for the time that we've had together, Lord. Continue to have your way in the rest of the service. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.